episode 318, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, episode 3, Alien Commies from the Future. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery. I'm one of three hosts who is here to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe in general and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in particular. And specifically, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 1, Episode 3, Alien Commies from the Future, which is possibly the best title that they've ever had in this series ever, possibly in all of television ever. I don't know. I might be wrong. But I'm not alone. I'm here with Agent Stewart. Hey, agents. And Agent Samantha. Hello, everybody. So welcome back, you two. How you doing? Good. Are we talking about episode, season one, episode three, or season seven, episode three? Season seven, episode three. Why? That's fantastic, because I think you said season one. I don't think I did. And this is why I crossed my sevens. <laughs> well, see, now this is the witty banter at the beginning of the show. So mm-hmm. we're having that now. This is good. Yeah, yeah. No, it works. And and I, I don't know. I mean, I can't tell if you were genuinely concerned that I said that or if you're trying to do the, the Agent Daniel thing and bring back. Oh, be mean? Yeah, bring back uh, meanness. I'm not really good at the being mean. I, I know. Really... I know. That's why I couldn't tell. No, <laughs> I was genuinely concerned. Oh, okay. Never mind. So... <laughs> So it would have been better if I was mean. Well, I mean, you could have lied about it just now. Think, yeah, but then that would be mean. Well, that's the point. Like that's. I'm not supposed to lie. Mama I, said, "Don't lie." <sighs> All right. All right. I'm just not very. I'm sorry, Daniel. I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll work with you on this. I'm. I'm. I am there for you, Stuart. I. I will. Uh, I'll work with you on this, and we will. We will make it happen. So. Thanks. all right so let's talk uh samantha you were not with us last episode for for know your onions yeah um but when i was listening to you guys talk about know your onions i took some notes oh okay okay Uh, good notes or mean notes are you maybe could you be the one that daniel needs to turn to to uh maybe i'm gonna be channeling daniel all right well let's let's hear it Okay, first of all, his name is Hugo Weaving. Because um, you guys talked about I mean, Elrond. Agent Smith. <laughs> Agent Smith or the Red Skull. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, second, I asked you guys to mention that Gemma was riffing on Bones from Star Trek. I'm, I'm a doctor, not a dame. I mean, come on, guys. I, I know. I, we just couldn't remember what it was. And that's, yeah, why, that's why it didn't happen on the episode. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, and next, after watching last week's episode plus this week's episode, I'm thinking what we are seeing actually is our May under special circumstances. And I'm more worried about yoga. Well, this episode has some stuff in it that definitely made me feel like, OK, this is actually May for sure. Um, but they both have things we need to worry about, I think. Yes. Yeah. And before we get into all that, I think you are definitely channeling Daniel in that 
you know how he always sends us random things that we have no context for? They're not yeah. random, though. Like, <laughs> it, they feel super random because it'll be just like two words, like, uh, like baseball truck. And we're just like, what? And he does. it takes a little while to figure out, oh, he's answering the question when I asked, like, if you could be a truck. What? I mean, he's just like sends us this the, these short terse one or two or short sentence answers to things that are being said on the podcast that I can't even remember. I said that on the podcast, but, uh, and, and they're not always from like the most recent podcast. So sometimes they're like, he's listening to several episodes ago, but yeah, (laughs) usually it, it, after a little bit of thinking, and this is why it's good. You know, this, this pushes you, you know, to, okay. Okay. Pushes you to, to to stretch those those thinking muscles and uh, and because after a little bit of thinking, usually I can kind of figure it out. Uh, there has been a couple times when I've had to ask, and, and when you ask, he he just tells you. But I always feel a little bit more I don't know like I've accomplished something if I don't <laughs> have to ask because I figured it out. You know, I I, I took the clues, found the context, and, and figured it out. So did you find Blue's Clues? Yeah, I did. I did. I, I read it in my handy dandy notebook. There and, you go. Yeah. Good. Yeah. We are not here to talk about Blue's Clues, though. No. <laughs> How many segues do we do when we, when we, uh, where it goes like that? We are not here to talk about Star Trek Voyager. Many. We are Let's... not here to talk about Bear in the Big Blue House. Enough <laughs> to make therapists question whether we have ADD or not. I, I don't know. <laughs> Is Anyways, house on Disney Plus. I haven't seen it. No, actually, the reason I threw that out there is because we went on a Bear in the Big Blue House tangent on the the most recent <laughs> the most recent Strangers and Aliens episode that we recorded. It won't be the next one to come up, but it is so so. Yeah. If the people are are paying attention to the Ben Avery verse of podcasting, they'll get that crossover. They will. They will. They that's will. like a teaser. Like they know in two yeah. episodes yeah. That, that there's going to be a, a little conversation about Bear in the Big Blue House. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So set your podcatchers. Yeah. Exciting. Sensational. Yeah. Or now you know, oh, I better not listen to that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, we are here to talk about, as I said before, alien commies from the future, which I am not sure. The question is, is this the greatest episode title of this series or is it the greatest episode title of all time? And probably not of all time. I mean, it's enough to get my husband watching. I, <laughs> it's not just the podcast or not, not just the episode title. It's the, the title screen and the music yes. that went with it. Yes. Like, there's, yes. There's theremin going on in the in mm-hmm. the score for this episode. Um I mean they're they're just visiting these time periods but but they're also embracing the time periods. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I really wish this was what the rest of the series was like. I really enjoy these sort of motif episodes or segments, you know, double episodes or whatever they are. I really like them. I think I mentioned this before. This is reminding me of an old show that I used to watch when I was a kid called Voyagers. And Voyagers 
the opening narration said something like, uh, we go through time to help history along and give it a give it a push where it's needed. And then they talk about how when they get to the place, their time travel device is basically a pocket watch. Um, and there's a red light and a green light. And if there's a red light, something's wrong in history. And they have to find it. And they have to fix it. And then it's, they say, our job is to get everything back on track. That's what this feels like. You know, they, they have two episodes now. They go into a time period. They have to figure out what's the Chronicom's plan. What are they going to try and change? And we have to stop them from changing it. And that's a lot of fun for me. I'm, I'm enjoying this as much as and as many times as I said, I don't want time travel in my MCU. Now that it's here, I'm embracing it. I'm there. I'm loving it. I have a hypothesis. Let's hear it. The predictor named Sybil, the Chronicom predictor. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, because she's able to see the whole timeline, uh, and apparently she's the only one that's left amongst the Chronicoms. I'm wondering if she's manipulating the Chronicoms to do um, certain things to to um, trigger the agents to do certain things so that the agents can get back to the MCU timeline? Question mark, maybe? So I'm saying in the end, she may not necessarily be a bad guy. Do you recognize her? No. Uh, yeah. What do you from recognize where? her from? Um, I'm think. was it um, Rent? <laughs> I... I- I, I guess I have no I'm idea. She was in. Name. She was definitely in Bones, but she was also in Serenity. She oh. stabbed River in oh, the wait. eye. Yeah, she was the teacher. She was River's mm-hmm. teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So Ben, here's our Star Trek cross- crossover. Let's hear it. Jonathan Frakes is in Voyagers as Charles Lindbergh. Yes, he played Charles Lindbergh. Mm-hmm. Yep, the pilot. Uh, fresh, baby faced. No beard, Charles. No beard. Riker? Oh, yeah. This is, this is way, way before the beer. Yeah. 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 So Samantha yep. and I have both decided that we're going to try to watch this um, at our local libraries. What, Voyagers? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know why that's kind of a little bit funny, actually? What? Why? Is because I'm, I'm thinking maybe you were doing a little Googling or something because <laughs> at the end of every episode of Voyagers, they said, hey, if you want to uh, go to your local library and... Check we would out. never Google while recording. We know <laughs> that's a bad no-no. You know what? I will head to my local library as soon as it reopens. As soon as and it... I will patiently wait for it to reopen. Yeah. Well, but one yeah. of the producers on, on the show or production companies behind the show was Scholastic. Oh, really? So no. Yeah. So the, the book publishing company, they were behind that um, because it did promote literacy at, at the end there and promoted interest in history and for me promoted an interest in in time travel so another roundabout way though scholastic did the twist of plot books which were ripoffs of choose your own adventure and the first twist of plot <laughs> book was uh called the time raider which was a time travel uh story where you're traveling in time as you're ch- choosing your own adventure there and it was written by none other than rl stein who wrote Go- mm-hmm. goosebumps but also mm-hmm. wrote the most recent man thing series that was horrible so there we it's go. all connected. It's I was all say, connected. That is a one full circle right there. 
Yeah, that's a couple. Uh, I don't know. That's three or four incomplete circles that we <laughs> yeah, mash actually. them together. It becomes a full circle. But hey, I really want to talk about this episode because yes. this episode it it was made for me. It's got time travel. It's got B movie sensibilities, and, and not the John, not the Jerry Seinfeld animated movie <laughs> that for some reason my kids are obsessed with. Um. But I'm I'm talking B movie type of, of thing. We we already talked about the theremin and the title screen for Agents of Shield, and yeah. But it, it's just got B movie thumbprints all over it. We're going to Area 51. You know, we're we're going to Groom Lake. Um, we're we're going to these places. This is. Uh, we need to talk about the episode. Yes, of course, because you know Area 51 is a Shield base. Of course. I mean, well, I don't know if you remember this because I doubt that you've done an Agent Carter rewatch as recently as I have. But um, there I was a line. Recently. Yeah, there was there was a line in Agent Carter. I think it was season two where they say, hey, remember Groom Lake? This is just like Groom Lake. And then the other was guy was. Yeah, but we were we're sober this time. <laughs> and so but Groom Lake being, yeah, uh, around Area 51 and. Yeah, so let's talk about the episode then. Here's what we got. We are now in 1955, and our team has followed the Chronicoms. Enoch is not with them because he stayed behind and was taking the long way forward, and we'll see if we ever see him again. I'm assuming we will. I think we'll see him again. Yeah, He is not in this episode. The Chronicoms are, however, and there is a Chronicom that is called the Predictor, who apparently was also in Serenity and Bones. And the predictor sees all of these threads that they're going to be pulling from. And I meant to say this, Samantha, you got me thinking when you were talking about your theory. Um, this is not my theory until you said something. <laughs> but Add on to it. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, what if she's actually like these little things that they're trying to do? They're only doing it so that the team does something to stop them, which is actually part of her plan. Like the, it's a double plan, you know, and I could see that happening because she's seeing all the angles so far ahead of time. Like I I could see something like that. That could be kind of cool. It would be really, really difficult to write that. I think that's the same hypothesis I had. Well, no, yours was that it's a good guy thing. Like she's pushing them to get from one place to another to get to like the MCU timeline or something like that. Mine is that her plan is they, cause they already have this double thing, you know, last episode, they thought that they were trying to kill FDR and it turns out that they were trying to kill, um, Freddie, uh, what's his name? Last name. Can't remember it, but Freddie from Hydra. And what if she's actually getting them there to save Freddy from being killed, but they do something else that she predicts. And so they're actually leading them from place to place and causing them to do all the things that she actually wants them to do. They're not stopping the plan. They are actually helping the plan along. And when they get to the future, they realize, oh, we, we, we played right into their plan. And now the Chronicoms are going to win. Of course they won't. But they'll feel like that because that's how how fiction works. Okay. I think that is far better articulated than what I had said earlier. So, but yes, we'll see. We'll see. 
but anyway, they think the plan for the Chronicoms this time around is that the Chronicoms are going to stop S.H.I.E.L.D. from developing this um, this weapon, this kind of, I don't remember what it was called. Uh, and, and, oh, he, Helix. Was it Helix? Helio. Oh, right Not Helium. Helio. Helios? Helios. They think it's to stop them from doing this. It turns out instead that that thing doesn't work. And the Chronicom's plan is actually to power it up so it can work and blow up and kill so many people from S.H.I.E.L.D. That would, it's just great because the whole brain trust is right there. It's great for the Chronicom's that moment in time. And it would it would set S.H.I.E.L.D. back, way back, you know. So our team has to get in on the onto the base so that they can find out where the Chronicoms are on the base. And the way that they do this is they go to a diner. They find someone who is on his way to Area 51. They kidnap him. They take his identity. And since they only have one identity to take they turn around and create another identity for their team so that Coulson can go in as, oh man, I can't remember the guy's name. Gerald Sharp, um, De- Sharp. Department of Defense. Coulson can go in as Sharp. But Simmons is going in as someone who I will never forget her name because Simmons is going in as Peggy Carter. Easy to do because they can forge the photo ID and no one's ever seen these two people before in person. Almost no one, because as they're doing their investigation to make, you know, to find the Chronicoms, and we'll talk about that because it's hilarious. But as they're doing that, someone else shows up and it's agent, or maybe I should say director or area director, uh, Souza, who knows Peggy Carter quite well. And the gig is up. He figures out that they are not supposed to be there. So we send in another agent. Daisy goes in and pretends to be CIA and gets Sousa on her side. And that helps her to get them out of there, uh, out of the jail, prison cell kind of thing that they were in. So now we have them looking around, trying to find the Chronicoms. They find a girl. There she is. Oh, she looks so innocent, but she's not. She's a Chronicom, and she's going to set off this weapon. There's some cool fight scenes. We have a fight scene with uh, another Chronicom person and May and Yo-Yo. And during that fight scene, May has a uh, an episode of some sort and can't fight. Yo-Yo can't use her powers in that same scene, and it's, it's bad news. Um Eventually, they do, of course, stop the Chronicoms, and they drop off the person they kidnapped, and the person they kidnapped believes that he was actually abducted by aliens, Kami aliens from the future. So that's brief. I, I, I probably missed a couple things there, but that's that's the main idea. And I just want to say, this is the most fun I've had watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in a long time. And I've had some fun watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. recently. Um, I don't know how I would rank this as far as episodes go, but this is up there in the top episodes that I really enjoyed. This was a lot of fun. Agreed. This was very good. I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. 
and I could not be more excited for it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly, did you recognize the guy who played Sharp? I, no. Yes, but I couldn't. I couldn't put my finger on it. Agreed. I also couldn't, but I have seen this guy before. He has been in a lot of stuff, a lot of mm -hmm. Law and Order kind of things. He was in Man of the High Castle. He was in um, Mad Men. He was in Inception. Uh, Fringe. He was a re recurring character in Fringe. Um, yeah, lots of TV stuff. Was he in Star Trek then? I don't know. I don't. I'm looking through on IMDb, and I don't, I don't see anything. Well, he was in Copland, huh? I only ever watched Star Trek, so I have no idea. <laughs> no, apparently I, he was in the movie Hackers as well. Oh, Angelina. Mm, you can't all be winners, you know. He was in the Profiler. I mean, he was he. This guy, if you look at his yeah. Ally McBeal, um, I mean, he's a just a really successful, constant uh, television actor. And he's also got some film film roles as well. But so you've seen this guy, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you just don't, he's one of those those faces that you've seen him, but you just don't know that you you don't know where you know him from. Like that one um, guy from that one thing. Yep. He's, yep. That's actually the name of a documentary that's about character actors, and it's a very good one. Highly suggest. There's also a biography that someone wrote that has a very similar title and it's basically his experience in Hollywood as being someone who's been in a lot of stuff that you just don't know who he is because he's in so many things, but never in the center seat. So that's this guy. Well, where do you want to take it from here then? Well, we are going to talk about Peggy Carter and Daniel Souza and uh, Simmons and all that. So that's going to happen. Just so you guys know. Well, let's just start there. Let's right. start with the Carter stuff. I mean, Agent yeah. Carter, <laughs> um, this is the way to do it if you can't bring in Haley Atwell. Even if you, know? you could bring in Haley Atwell, I still love the idea of Simmons walking in and being like, I'm Agent Carter. <laughs> and then Carter walks in and says, hello. That would have been the somewhere? better way to do it. But – Okay, so bring Daniel Souza in. Any any chance of romance has not happened and won't happen, apparently. No. Uh, season two flirted with it as they flirted with each other. Uh, and he uh, even broke up with... I seem to recall them kissing in the very last episode. Yeah, but this tells me that they didn't go much further than that in their relationship. Yeah, because well, we I out. think one of Peggy's exes suddenly reappeared out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, right. Be nice to get a timeline on that, but yeah. so, so what happened was Steve Rogers is sitting over the backside and he's like, What's going on, Peggy? And she's like, Well, can you tell me about anything? No, just go ahead. Susa, who Peggy says, Ooh. and yeah, I, I mean, he, he talks about her professionally. I mean, he's not going to say to Simmons, yeah, she was my my girlfriend. You know, Simmons says, oh, she was your partner at one point. And, you know, he's not going to go further than that. Obviously, he's going to keep it professional. Yeah, but did you notice how he, like, primped up a little bit when he was going to go in and talk to her? Oh, yeah, he checked himself yeah. out in the mirror first as if, you know, he he wanted to make a really, really good impression. 
but I I still think this this is this is telling me that things didn't go anywhere no. with them, you know. But he wouldn't mind if they did. That is what it is telling me. <laughs> what we don't know is, you know, there there's no specifics about that cliffhanger in season two. Nope. Nope. And and we still don't know what happened to Chad Michael Murray's character. <laughs> that's that's what I'm talking about. That's the cliffhanger yeah. I'm talking about. Is um, yeah, he uh, is it Thompson. I think he was. Yeah. Uh, getting shot at the end of season two, which we should have maybe talked about our spoiler policy, but <laughs> but this definitely falls under fair game for talking about yeah. things. Did but guys, to be fair, wait, wait, didn't you and Daniel cover eight, uh, Peggy Carter or Agent Carter under? Welcome to level seven. So this is not yeah. really spoiler, is it? It is a spoiler if you haven't seen it. It's just we are it's fair game for yeah. us to talk about. Yeah. Well, and you know, the the whole Thompson getting shot by someone um has no relevance on the story whatsoever. And so if they did talk about it, they'd be shoehorning it in somehow. Possibly. Possibly. I mean, you you would have to you would have to do something with this plot to make it tie together. Right. I mean, and yeah. that, I guess, could work because they're dealing with some, you know, super magical, powerful thing. And weren't they dealing with some super magical, powerful thing at the end of season two anyway? Yeah. I mean, the way I would do it now, this is me uh, with unlimited budget mm-hmm. and unlimited whatever. Um if I was in that writer's room, I'd be like, guys, guys, <laughs> what if one of the plans that the Chronicoms had was to kill Thompson Ooh. and get the file on Peggy All right, to ben. make her look right. bad, you know, Just... and, and then they'd be like, Ooh, that's a great idea, but can't get Haley Atwell and can't get Chad Michael McMurray Thompson guy. <laughs> We have to, you know, maybe maybe let's pull back on that, Ben. You know, that's, that's a great idea, but it also Put feels a little too convenient. One. Let's circle back around. But then I'd be like, guys, guys, it's a retcon, I know. But, like, that means that the end of season two of, of Agent Carter ties into this directly. And and I'd get all excited about it. And, and then they'd have lots of good reasons not to do it. And I'd feel like nobody cares about me. And... <laughs> I feel like like nobody thinks my ideas are good. And then I'd be like talking to my agent about quitting the show. And my agent would be like, this is the final season. What are you doing quitting? You know, you need to work and I need your 10%. So I'd be like, okay. And then we wouldn't do what I, my plan. I have a <laughs> feeling would... that's what they wanted to do, but they only had the budget to get, um, uh, what's the space that plays Daniel Sousa. Cause and yeah, been... I also don't know his name, but. That's yeah, only because he's a good friend with Joss Whedon. Yeah. Well, this would have just been the perfect way to tie up uh, Agent Carter without having to revive the show. I mean, just tie it in with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which, you know, only makes sense since, you know, those two it, shows go hand in hand in some ways. Yeah, yeah. But let's let's be fair, because this show is its own show, you yeah. know? yeah. And so that's probably where my whole thing breaks down when it's like, Ben, Ben, you know, guy, Pally, friend, Ben, guess what? 
this is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is not Agent Carter. Agent Carter's done. And while everyone is wondering about that that cliffhanger, no one really cares about it right now. Except for like some diehard fans who are talking on a podcast, maybe, about this. There's one guy in the back who's no one cares about Agent Carter right now. Yeah. Uh, Well, that guy is alone. Yeah. But anyway, what they did makes sense here. And, you know, for whatever reason that they didn't do what I was saying, I'm glad they did this episode because this was a lot of fun. Yes. Now, wasn't the end of Agent Carter some some magic, powerful? Yeah, yeah, it was um, thing. It was the 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 uh, the zero matter, right? Yes, which was also kind of set up for what was happening in Agents of Shield, and so that zero matter came back in Agents of Shield after season two of of Agent Carter. So. Poor little Benji Avery sitting in the writer's room could have pitched Zero Matter being the MacGuffin. It already has been a MacGuffin, though. When was the last time a comic book reused a MacGuffin again? I'm just saying. (laughs) I mean. Uh, Roxanne? (laughs) (laughs) There's one for you. There's a MacGuffin. So, Yeah. But I mean, Zero Matter has, you know, it came up in Agent Carter. It was referenced before that. And and I don't remember how it all fit because I didn't watch it in chronological order as far as the production order. Um, we just took a break from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to watch Agent Carter. Right. And and so, but it did tie together, you know. And so you were seeing kind of the beginnings of the Zero Matter stuff in Agent Carter. And then it was also coming up in, um, was it the Ghost Rider sequence? Oh, I can't remember, but I think it was the Ghost Rider pod. Ghost Rider? Uh, or was it the season before? It, I think it was the season before. Yeah, it was Watch Dogs. Yeah. Because they there was a building in South Bend, Indiana, which I live, you know, five minutes away from. Um, that wasn't a real building in South Bend, Indiana, but it was a building in South Bend, Indiana that got crushed and destroyed by the Zero Matter. And yeah, but anyway... Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about what they did do, not about what they didn't do. We've, we've had my whole <laughs> fantasy about what could have happened. Let's talk about what did happen. And that is that Sousa shows up. He's ready to see Peggy Carter. And instead he sees Simmons and just totally toys with her, you know, for a little bit, just to kind of feel her out, figure out why she's there, what she's doing. And Again, I mean, there's just a lot of fun stuff going on in this episode, and th- this is definitely one of them, um, especially when he calls her out on her accent. <laughs> <laughs> Tells her it's the worst fake accent he's ever heard. And Simmons, is, Simmons. Simmons plays along pretty well. She, you know, quickly uh, folds. <laughs> well, because like, what is she? She has no defense at that point. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, good dramatic storytelling is kind of asking what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. You know, every step along the way, you're kind of asking yourself, what's the worst that can happen and presenting your characters with what's the worst that can happen up until the point they succeed and you have your climax and then you have your, your, uh, your conclusion and resolution. And this is a really fun. What's the worst that can happen? You know, what's the worst that can happen as they're going in and they're having a fine time trying to figure out who the chronicoms are they're they're doing it it's going smoothly 
and they're making people cry. <laughs> we have to. I don't know if this is the time to talk about this, but we have to talk about what they're doing here. Oh my because gosh! When Coulson it. goes on the bus with that old lady. <laughs> And he says, I've always wanted to do this. Did you recognize what he was doing? Yes. <laughs> Did you, Samantha? Oh. This was the replicant test mm-hmm. from Blade Runner. <gasps> mm-hmm. Oh, and so, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And so these are questions that are kind of made to gauge humanity of people. And the one was, um, so the one he used... <laughs> Is you're in a desert walking along this in the sand when all of a sudden you look down, you see a tortoise, it's crawling towards you. You reach down, you flip the tortoise over on its back. The tortoise lays on its back, its belly baking in the hot sun, beating its legs, trying to turn itself over, but it can't, not without your help. But you're not helping. Why is that? <laughs> and what am I doing that's in when the, the desert? old lady is like crying. <laughs> Why would I do this? <laughs> but my my that reminded me of Captain Marvel. Of the scene when she's walking through the 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 bus and this and and then she beats up oh, that old yeah. woman, and Coulson was there for that. Yeah, You're, yeah, he was. Uh, he was well. He was in that movie. I don't think he was actually there for that. And plus, he at that point he would have been a um, a and, Cree. No, he was not. No. He was a new agent. Ish, the debate still had on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All the test questions have to do with um, animal cruelty and things like that. So there's other. Here's some other questions. Oh, and saying the word moist over and over again. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) He says it's your birthday. Someone gives you a calfskin wallet. That's another one from from Blade Runner. Uh, you've got a little boy. He shows you his butterfly collection plus the killing jar. And it's all these questions that are just meant to get a rise from a human that wouldn't come out in a replicant. And yeah, so they're asking these questions and, and they don't um, find the they don't find the person. Unlike Harrison Ford, who found it right at the beginning of Blade Runner. Can we spoil Blade Runner? Well, I mean, you, what do you want to spoil? Because no, I mean, I'm not really. I just wanted to make sure that look, if you oh. haven't seen Blade Runner in the first five minutes of the movie, the guy catches somebody. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's setting up just what the stakes are and, yeah. and what replicants are and what they're doing. What right. a Blade Runner is. A Blade Runner is someone who their job is to investigate and find um, replicants mm-hmm. and because it's illegal for replicants. I think it's, is it illegal for replicants to be on the earth? I think it's illegal for replicants to be alive. Or to live too long. Yeah. 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 No, they, it's illegal for them to be on earth. There was an uprising before the book began with replicants. And um, I think they were expelled from the earth, but they could still exist. What, in Mars? Or was it the moon? Well, and, and in the Mars. mines and stuff, too. Like, wherever, the they're, okay. wherever they're using them to work and stuff. And Yes. Um, but anyway, um, he's basically doing the same thing and he's so excited to try this out and then <laughs> just makes the old lady cry. And, uh, oh, what was the question that made the kid, the, the guy cry in the lab? I think Simmons asked him something like, have you ever known love or something like that? He's, she was kind of flirting with him at one point. 
Yeah. I thought. Or was that the but, question about John Wayne? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and then uh, Gary Cooper or oh, Jimmy Stewart was, it was a question. It was the reference to Casablanca. Because what? she went with Vic and not, or, or Victor and not Rick. Why did she not yeah. go? <laughs> yeah. So it was fun. And, but it, ha- it, it was just going too well. They had to stop it. Storytelling wise, they had to stop all of this success. And how do they do that? Best way possible. Bring in Sousa. And he's their enemy now. <laughs> but he trusted Daisy a little too quickly, I think. Yes. Yeah. As she comes in as the CIA agent. Well, because she she manipulates him too. So she gives him everything that he needs, which is uh, to try to move ahead in the world and get out of area 51, the backwater, you know? So like he said, she goes, she goes, I'm from the CIA. And then he goes, Oh, did you get the report that I sent you? And she's like, yeah, yes, we did. (laughs) And that was her end. Yeah. Well, and his report was that Hydra is infiltrating uh, organizations in the United States. I did make that note. That is a, oh, that ties it in too. Oh, I love that. So this is interesting because nobody knew about that back then. And so Except the question is, where is this Susan. going? Right, right. But where and, is this going then? Well, by the time we get to Winter Soldier, it just feels like half of S.H.I.E.L.D. was Hydra. <laughs> Which, how did they keep that quiet? The, very carefully. It's a yes. very big secret, okay? Nobody tell anybody. Especially not Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They succeeded, though. They did for a long time until and, somebody told Captain America. And apparently Sousa knows. So we'll see what happens with him. Watch him have sent a letter, but it never made it there. <laughs> because someone in the CIA was Hydra. <gasps> someone in the CIA is Hydra. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. I have a feeling we're going to see Sousa again. Do you really? I didn't. I thought I, I think he's done. I think he's I don't think he's dead or anything. I just think he's like they only paid him for one episode. I, I think he's he's too. I don't know. I think we'll see him again. I hope so. I hope we see him and Peggy together, but I don't think that'll happen. How many more episodes do we have? Like 10. 10? This is only the third episode, yeah. So we still have so. enough time to bring in, you know, some some last-minute guest stars. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... Let's talk about Mac, May, Yo-Yo, and Deke, and Sharp, okay? That whole thing is going on on the plane, and they're trying to uh, interrogate him, and I didn't see this coming, and probably I should have, but you know, he starts breaking down, and I'm just thinking, okay, he's going to break down, but he's got no information for them, and it turns out he breaks down, and... 
he's faking them. And he's like, I wrote the book on interrogation. And so actually some of the methods that they are using, they may have actually read from his book. I don't believe that he was the one that actually did. I think he was just saying that to get them to stop interrogating him. I, I, I believed him. I didn't. I believed him. I think he read that. I thought there was a credential. I thought he had a credential that said he was like, um, this may be what I'm referring to, but like, I thought he had some sort of credential that said he was a, not just a a finance guy or something like that. That's right. I mean, Colson goes in under his guise and is totally given just whatever he wants so he Mm -hmm. can investigate what's going on at the base. So I, I feel like I took him at face value on that when he said I wrote the book. But to me, he lost credibility because he's what is it that Sousa said? Jerk of the highest order. <laughs> well, there's lots of t- jerks of the highest order in in the military. Yeah, but I was telling my husband when I described this episode to him that this guy uses every insult possible that ABC could possibly use in prime time. <laughs> yeah, it was it was low key racism. Like it was just that casual racism. Like it was Not just low key. No. Yeah, it's it was low key style. Um, you know. No, he I mean it was it was this thing where he was saying these kind of sly kind of things, except for with May. That was not sly at all. He just he called her Oriental. Yeah. And but he there's something for everyone, something for everyone. And he just not a good person. Well, I found it interesting that, you know, he he set himself up to appear that he's racist and sexist until they send Deacon to the room and then he calls him a commie. And then you realize, oh, this guy is just just a jerk. Yeah, but he's a 1955 cultural jerk. <laughs> like he's his enemy is the communist. Like he believes that he has been captured by communists. And he calls them communists too, not just not just Deke. Yeah. Like he he calls them all communists. Um, it it was interesting the way that they brought up kind of all of these different, you know. Well, it's in the title, "Alien Commies from the Future." You know, where um, they're bringing in these all of these kind of cultural stuff from the fifties, flying saucers, the communist threat. Uh, all these things that aren't necessarily real, although while the communist threat may not have been nearly what people thought it could become within the border of the United States, Hydra was <laughs> in the context of the show like that was happening. Um, so they completely missed missed the mark on that. But, yeah, it, I mean, let's quickly kind of take that sidetrack there um, where you've got this guy who is a jerk who's spouting stuff that was not uncommon, you know, in, in that time and who's saying things that could have been a whole lot worse, but for whatever reason, NBC, ABC standards, or just, that's not the character they wanted to create. Um, you know, he wasn't going worse with it, but, uh, 
this was an interesting timing for this episode. Yes. With uh, just what's going on in in our country right now, not just our country, um, but a number of countries uh, are having uh, protests and and violence, um, and you know where the violence is coming from. You know, different places. It's it's happening in different ways, and but even in Canada, like um, I've seen a lot of memes about how Canada is like looking at the United States as their. Uh, um, their downstairs neighbor who cooks meth, you know, or whatever, uh, in the apartment building. But, um, Canada is also having some of their own problems, uh, with the same kind of thing and, and dealing with uh, concepts of police brutality and institutional racism and, and all that kind of thing. And so this was an interesting episode. Um, I got to have some really good conversations with my kids, um, about this episode. And, and about what was going on and about what Mac was dealing with. And um, I had another friend who was like, I can't believe that they played this episode uh, this week, um, considering everything that was going on. But, you know, what's nice in some ways about what they're doing here, like I said last time, um, or maybe it was two episodes ago, there's, there's a couple ways you can approach this. One is ignore it. You know, ignore the fact that we have a very diverse cast who are walking into a time period that did not appreciate diversity (laughs) Um, or at least did not. uh, A lot of people did not appreciate it and you could ignore it. You can make the episode be about that or make them, you know, because there are movies that that do tackle it in that way. Uh, Or you can, you know, continue on with what you're doing with the show. And that's where they chose to go was they, they, commented directly on this and Mac had a moment of catharsis where he was able to punch this guy out because it was the easiest thing to do. <laughs> Possibly would have had to punch the guy out even if the guy wasn't a jerk. Uh, Mac just got to feel better about it because the guy was. Mm. Um, but, you know, this this allowed me to have a couple conversations with some people about just what's going on in our world and it it sparked conversation. And so in that way, um, there's no way they could have known that the timing of this would have would have allowed that. But I I did appreciate that in that sense. Well, that that um, casual racism has been around for a while, and so they, they may not have been responding to this specific situation. But you know, it wasn't too long ago we had other situations that were similar. So. Well, and they were responding to 1955. Yeah. You know, like that was, that was very much there. They go into the diner and the, yeah. just the looks that the, the waitress gives them. Now, granted, then she did give that look to everyone. Um, but, and then she you know, gave she, it to, to what's his face, Sharpie, when he comes back. She gave it to Sharpie, yeah. At the end. And she's like, I, he saw, we got another one here, whatever. So. Yeah. But. The looks and then the the bathrooms were there, you know, with mm-hmm. the, the sign that said colored and white, um, which I remember being a kid and my dad telling me about that and just thinking, what are you talking about? Like, that's that happened, you know, and of course, as a kid, I was super naive in the sense that I, I thought that kind of thing can't happen, you know, because who would do such a thing? And, and having my dad explain that to me and, um, have my dad, you know, kind of walk through the civil rights movement with me and, and that kind of thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, 
it's a reality. And, you know, you, you want your time travel to be realistic. Mm. If you're going to have them travel back in time, you, you want it to be uh, an accurate representation of the time they're going to or a hyper, uh, hyper-actualized realization of it. But they're going for realistic here. So, again, it's appreciated. Yeah. I mean, I do appreciate that they are addressing it and in subtle ways or not so subtle ways of making comments on it, like Mac just punching the guy out. (laughs) Um, But I thought it was interesting that when he did punch the guy, he could have punched him or he would have said, just turn around. And if he had turned around, he would have seen the um, shield insignia over everything. That's what I was waiting for. Yeah. I was waiting for, like, he's like, what is this? Where am I? And it's, look behind you. We label everything. Yes. But. Uh, yes, we are the secret organization that labels everything. We tag everything. Even the coffee maker. Yes. Let's talk about May and Yo-Yo. Uh, both of them are, are having having trouble. Um, again, can't figure out if Yo-Yo's trouble is physical or if it's um, psychological, but May's certainly seems to be psychological. Yeah, I actually recognized exactly what she was going through. She's suffering some sort of shock or even PTSD. Um, uh, With my work, working with the public, I have to wear a face mask, a simple cloth face mask um, all day long. And sometimes when things get extremely stressful, um, I because I suffer from PTSD myself, just having this covering over my face, uh, I have trouble breathing sometimes. And I come very near panic attacks these days because, um, I have a piece of cloth over my face that is, uh, not allowing me to breathe as much oxygen as I should. Um, and I am wearing it for a very valid reason. And I continue to wear it. Um, I was very wary of it at first. Um, And when I saw that May was panicking while wearing this mask in a very intense situation, it was obvious to me that she she was still reeling from a lot of things. And looking back with the way that she responded to seeing um, LMD Coulson, um, and she... Her way of dealing with extremely stressful emotional situations is to emotionally shut down and to go inward. And when she saw LMD Coulson, her response was, okay, put me back to sleep. I can't deal with this. Um, And when Yo-Yo tries to get her to talk about it, her response is, I'm not talking about it. Which, when you're dealing with that kind of situation, uh, when you're suffering from PTSD, the do is not talk about it I, I mean that's my method of dealing when I get into those situations when I do have a PTSD moment is I find somebody I can talk to and, and the phrase they both used I mean Yo-Yo was using it throwing it back in May's face but the phrase that they used was do I look like I'm ready to talk about it right and you know that's a very May answer and of course Yo-Yo might have had a different answer but May gave her the ammunition yeah. <laughs> of what answer, answer to use. Um, there's nothing in this episode to really let us know what's going on yet. Um, 
again, both these characters don't want to talk about it, don't want to explore it right now. But at least seeing May's reaction makes me say, this is really her. Yeah. This is really her because this is a very human reaction uh, to what's going on. I don't think May is an LMD. I don't think May is a replacement. I think that May is May. And we are just going to have to wait it out to see uh, when she's ready to let us know what's going on. Yeah. Yogo, she tried. She got, she almost yogoed this episode and she tried, but she just couldn't. Um, in the special effects, you could see that there was a little bit of blurring as if she was moving, but she couldn't get beyond a few inches. And then, it, yeah, it bounced her back. It bounced her back. Like she, yeah, she flew backwards after she tried that. And yeah, I, again, we still just don't know what's going on, and we're just gonna have to wait until the writers and Yo Yo are ready to let us know. Yeah, I think that the that um, what's going on with Yo Yo is a distraction from what's going on. I mean, I'm sorry, what's going on with May is is a distraction from what's going on with Yo Yo. I think Yogo is really the one they need. They seriously need to be concerned with. Not that May's issues aren't don't need to be taken seriously, but <laughs> I, I think I meant that Yogo may be a threat to the group. The Shrike may still have some sort of influence over her. Oh, I see. Yes, I hope not. I'd like to just leave that behind, but I don't know. we'll 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 just have to wait and see. If if the strike is still there, let's not show the strike. Strike. Let's show um, Yo-Yo's reaction to it and have mm-hmm. her work through some of that. But I don't want to see a strike again. No, not a strike. Strike. But like they, I think they said in episode one that it it had it was being absorbed into her body. If I recall, they did. yes. Yep. They did. So in a way, it it may be taking over her body in a very, very slow way. That's what I'm worried about. Well, we'll have to wait and see on that and on May. Uh, the other thing we are going to have to wait and see about, fits. No fits. There is no fits in this episode again. And I'm not okay. <laughs> is he in the opening? Is he in the credits? Yes. He's in the cast list. He's in the cast list, and he's credited on IMDb as in credited only. Yeah, it's it's getting to the point now where it's like, what is it? It's becoming noticeable. We need to have something. Yeah. So, I mean, it's 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 like they're stuck in a time loop with Fitz. No, they start a new season. Fitz isn't here. Go about halfway (laughs) through the season. There he is. Yeah. Yeah. We've gone over it before and I just wanted to mention it again, but yeah. Uh, Deke. Deke gets one of the better lines in the show, but it just doesn't, it fell flat on me with the timing of it, but he's, they send him in for the interrogation and he's stupid white privilege. And just kind of, Oh, so, but he's just, he says it. And I'm just like, that's someone carrying the white man's burden there. You know, like that's no, you gotta, you gotta do your job, man. Just go in there. 
But how interesting that he was the only uh, white person on the plane. Yeah. You know, I mean, everyone else, again, going, going to the diversity of the cast there. But, and everyone else um, ranked higher than he. Yeah. He was the low man on the totem pole. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to be that way for a very, very long time. Um, I, I like Deke, but. Yeah, he's not my, not my favorite. I'll just go that far. And another interesting thing, too, he's the only cast member in this episode that does not change into 1950s gear. As a matter of fact, he doesn't even change out of his 1930s gear. He just takes off the coat and and does and and the tie. Yeah, it works. though. Yeah, it's well, he doesn't need to. He, well, one, he doesn't get off the um, the Quinjet. The other was that the cuffs were too wide um, and the pants were too loose to be 1950s. He looked a little bit more relaxed zoot suit than than, <laughs> um, than the 1950s warranted. Anything else from your notes? I'm looking through mine. I don't really see anything. Um, mm, okay. Oh, Coulson. <laughs> yes, Coulson. Uh, Coulson has fun in this episode. LMD Coulson does. Uh, but the EMP that they use to stop everything at the end also stops him. Oh, that's what happened. And he got shot. He got zapped by the EMP because everything did. And then yeah. he's at the end and they're like, oh, you're not so big, bad yourself. And then his eyes. What is what happens with his eyes? They turn brownish color or yeah, golden they were changing color. Yeah. And he, it was to show that there was something going on right in him, but we don't know what exactly. And yeah, I, <laughs> um, the EMP thing was a great idea, you know, shutting, it shuts down everything, stops the explosion, stops the chronicoms, the chronicoms then self-destruct. Uh, they do not blow up because the predictor said that would leave little shards of them all over history. And so they just kind of gross, grossly melt. Um, but Coulson, of course. Coulson is captured. His body survives, but. Yeah, what's uh, what's happening? You know, is, is this a reboot for him then or. Or what? Will he be a blank slate when he w wakes up? Because he got f his his memory fried? Or is it just back to normal when he wakes up? Mm. Just going to wait and see. Again, we don't know. He's going to start spouting ancient Sith language. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> and... And now I, I like that movie. <laughs> Generally speaking, I like that movie, but the Sith language subplot, just the more you think about it. Don't no, 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 no. The more you think about it, don't do that. <laughs> say to yourself, it's just a show. I should really just relax. It's just That's Star what I have Wars, to do man. with that one. It's just Star Wars. It's not just Star Wars. It is just Star Wars. <laughs> Like it's it's more than that. It's it's Star Wars. No, no. <sighs> okay. All right. Yeah. Well. Okay. So the fact that they use the EMP on 
essentially on Colson means that I think that the uh, conversation, the circling back, the we're going to figure that out later is going to happen a lot sooner than later. Interesting. We'll see. We'll see. I I'm curious where they're going with this. Again, this episode does not give us much to go on on where no. they're pointing with all of this. Uh, but the episode itself accomplishes a lot, but giving us answers is not one of the things that it accomplishes. It, Although it does give us the predictor. It does set out a which, lot of inciting incidents. It has no resolution yes. to those things yet. You guys have something else in your notes. Mm. Let's move on to some listener feedback. Yay. All right. So we're going to start with agent 084 and he says shield 703 feedback. I'm still processing, but this was maybe my favorite episode in years. It mixed everything good about the older mission oriented episodes of shield with all the threats and tools that have been piling up in the last few seasons. I like that they brought Sousa in as an obstacle at first, but it'll be fun to hopefully have him allied with the team in later episodes. The line, she can't stay with Rick, she had to go with Victor, really gave me vibes of what I'm sure Suzo experienced when Cap showed up to get Peggy back in whatever timeline that would have happened in. I do like that he was on to Hydra infiltrating S.H.I.E.L.D. all the way back here in 1955, although I wonder if that means he was one of the Winter Soldier's earliest victims off screen. Simmons getting her Agent Carter on was fun, and it makes sense in this age where word of mouth was bigger than anything else. She would be able to get away with it until running into someone who actually knew Peggy. She gets less and less robotic in every episode since the season six finale. But then again, Coulson isn't exactly robotic either, so I'm still team LMD Fitzsimmons. Uh, Pausing his feedback there. That's that is true. Uh, We didn't talk about that, but Simmons is more and more natural in every episode. And I wonder I can understand the whole uh, LMD Fitzsimmons thing, but I do wonder if it just means she spent so much time away from people that here being back with the team, it's just bringing her back, you know, and, and uh, all of us, you know, we've, we've been separated from people for various amounts of time. Um, but when, as much as I love being away from people, um, it, is a little hard for me to get back with people. And so when I'm separated from my family, sometimes I come back, it takes me a little while to reintegrate. Uh, but then when I do, I just feel better about life. And, and so that might be what's going on there, but I don't any other, think you have any thoughts on to that? Have her be an LMD. We're changing too many people into robots as it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Robots. If you're going to talk about it in the 50s, you got to say it like it's 50s, the robots. Uh, Other things I enjoyed, back to the message, other things I enjoyed, Simmons finding out where they were in time with the radio seems like something I would have done. The deeper look into the past's white supremacy and the line, stupid white privilege. The continued storyline of Daisy getting opportunities to destroy the organization that turned both her parents into monsters. Pause. I did not think about that until this message. Um... But that does give Daisy a little bit more context as to why she would really want to destroy Hydra and and can and take the chances that she's possibly taking. So that was a, a good uh good little bit there. Is that actually deep I mean, 
I know that we can see it now, but do you think that's actually in like her process of thinking about this show and this character right now? I'm I'm gonna go with yes. <laughs> but, Question mark. Yeah, yeah. I I just I think I mean he brings it up, and you know this is from people who are fans of the show. And, yeah, yeah, totally. And that I sort mean, of I'm thing, not but, I'm not discounting anything that he said. I'm just I'm wondering how. No, much- I, I'm. No, I'm saying that maybe the writers didn't think about that, mm. but it does make a lot of sense. Absolutely. Um, get back to his list. The after effects of season six on man yo-yo yo-yo. The idea that EMPs are the best weapon against chronicoms. Side note, Ada had EMP proof batteries even before Radcliffe got a hold of the dark hold. Why are the chronicoms not as smart as Radcliffe? <laughs> and then because he says plot. Yeah. Then he says, all in all, it was a great and fun episode and exactly the kind of content I wanted from this season. Can't wait mm-hmm. to see where the Colson cliffhanger leads and how they get him back from S.H.I.E.L.D. before that ripple turns into a wave. Until next time, true believers, Excelsior! I, I have to say it that way. You do. I mean, I think it's I thing, think it's man. in the rules. Yeah, no, it's 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 like contractually, uh, it's, a, it's a contractual obligation. Uh, code okay. here it is, and this is on our website. Uh, so, uh, Agent084 left the comment on our Patreon, but uh, this is from our actual website. You can leave comments on the episode blog post. Uh, and this is from uh, for fun times for the team to visit this season. And I think you're gonna like this. Uh, he says, We've already seen rookie Coulson in Captain Marvel, it would be neat to see Coulson first being recruited. Or even as a kid. And I had not thought about this, but what a great way, again, as you're taking that, uh, what do you call it, victory lap um, to key moments in history. What a great way to do that and bring in real Colson, quote yeah. unquote, you know, in the flesh. And steer him not away Clark from being Greg, a history. But, but, I mean, we've got LMD Colson, but I would love it if we were able to you know, this is a way to bring it full circle to show him at the beginning. You know, like our, we saw him as an agent in Iron Man. We saw him get killed by Loki, come back, do the whole, you know, first five seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And this would be a way without reversing the death to visit the man, the actual guy in the they flesh. Could bring back Lola before she had all of the flying stuff installed. Yeah. 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 I mean, this is, we talked about Lola, but we, we didn't talk about like, they could visit Coulson. Like we could get to see him. I think that's a great way to bring it full circle. And I think that's a fantastic idea um, for fun, fun places for the team to visit this season. So, and that comes from the question that I put out to the listeners. And so you can still answer this question because there's still time um, you know, we still have episodes to go, but where would you like to see them go in this season in, in, as they're doing that victory lap, lap through history? Um, and then the other question that I would put to you is, you know, as we're in the last season, what are some of your highlights of this season? Uh, or not of the season, of, of this show um, in general? And we talked about the, the crossover with Winter Soldier. If that's your highlight, go ahead, send it, even though we've already talked about it. This episode has become a highlight for me. Um, 
yeah, I don't know if I would rank this episode above those Winter Soldier era episodes. But it's, it's definitely a great episode. Man. Yeah. Any other thoughts about that? This whole season has been a highlight. I mean, I love the fact that we're taking this, you know, quote unquote, victory lap around, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s history. And we'll see. Yeah, I I think it's a great season. Okay. So let's go to a voicemail then. We're getting hit up by all the different Yay. ways. This is great. Agent Coco, and I'm going to play that right now. Hey, it's Agent Coco. So I just finished watching episode three. Oh my god, it was so good. This was an action-packed episode. Um, not that they're not all action-packed, but something about this one felt really intense, like high energy, like ah, you know. Um, and also really, really funny, like a lot of humor, a lot of great humor. And I'm really enjoying time travel. I mean, I'm a huge fan of time travel as a theme in sci-fi. So I already knew I was going to love this season, but I'm really going to enjoy seeing the team in different eras, in different clothes, having discussions around different things that were happening in the world at that time, as far as like politically and culturally in terms of race and gender and stuff. I'm enjoying that. I appreciate it. I don't think it's too heavy handed. I think it's nice and subtle. Um, I think the department of defense dude who was, you know, doing what they called microaggressions, um, I don't think that was over the top. I feel like that was realistic for that time, um, especially the 50s. And, you know, it is deep considering what's going on in the world right now. And that's the 50s and this is 2020. And there's still issues of race. Like, that's kind of deep and kind of sad at the same time that these, that mentality still exists. But still, you know, it was, it was handled well, and I think that punch that Matt gave him probably felt really good <laughs> to, to for me to witness and other people. Um, and the end with him being all afraid, like he deserved that. Okay, he deserved that. But um, yeah, I'm really worried about May, and I'm really worried about Yo-Yo. I don't know what's going on with them. Some type of PTSD. They're such valuable members to the team, so hopefully they'll figure that out. But everybody looks so good. Daisy looks really pretty. And I like the Marvel cameo of um, Agent Carter's boo. And the Chromacom woman fight with Daisy and May. That woman was amazing. <laughs> you know, with her little... 50s lady clothes on. She was kicking butt. But anyway, yeah, really, really good episode. Lots of high energy. Hopefully Colson's okay. Hopefully they don't discover that he's an LMD. I really ex like where this season is going and I just hope that my girls uh, get better soon. We figure out what's going on with them. And I'm enjoying the lightheartedness, the 
the subtle politics. And as always, I'm team no romance. <laughs> no romance for no one at this point. Since Fitz is missing, we don't need no romance between anybody. <laughs> um, all right, guys. So you're all doing a great job. And I wish you the best. And yeah, thanks for, you know, listening and playing my, playing my voice. Bye. Thank you, Agent Coco, for sending us your voice. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Agent Coco. We love thank it you. when you guys write in and call in. Yeah. I mean, really, thank you, everybody. I mean, we <laughs> really appreciate, um, just getting feedback from anyone. Um, but I just want to say, I feel like we get more intelligent feedback than a lot of other podcasts that I listen to. I don't listen to other Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcasts right now, so I don't know about that. But yeah. Uh, hey, we forgot to talk about um, the end when they trick Sharp into thinking that he's been abducted by aliens. <laughs> Ah, uh, sweet uh, revenge. Yeah, yeah. So Agent Coco was saying he deserved that. And uh, honestly, even if he didn't deserve it, I think it'd be a great ending. It just helped that he did deserve it to make it even greater. So I like that my, Mac was kind of, I guess I got to do this. I don't really think it's the best option, but. Especially when he's <laughs> giving him the ultimate threat. Like, if you mm -hmm. tell anyone about this, you're going to be, uh, do I have to say it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I, I mean, it, it, now, he, this guy, you know, he needed to be put into his place. On the other hand, it does really show that Mac is not comfortable making people feel uncomfortable. I love that about his character. He's a He's a truly stand-up guy. He, yeah, he's just a good, moral, uh, conscientious, kind, and compassionate guy. You know, that's why he deserves to be director of Shield. Now, maybe he's not what is needed in you know a political landscape where you're, you need to be putting you know putting bugs in everyone's phones or you know. All you know, all these different kind of gray areas you can get to, like Cisco. Maybe uh, actually, that's a great example of of the gray areas that a good man can get into with Deep Space Nine. But um, but I don't want that gray area leader in a f my fun spy superhero show. And I, I Mac is the man. He's the man with for the job. And yes. Glad to have, glad he's there. Uh, okay. Well, that's pretty much it then, I think. Unless you guys have something else. I am kind of amazed and shocked that we got through this entire episode talking about them being in 1955 and didn't once mention Marty McFly or Doc Brown. Hmm. Interesting. So, on that note, you I'm going to get in my DeLorean. I know. <laughs> well, that's a different kind of sci-fi. I mean, we're, I mean, they stuck pretty close to the 
B-horror movie genre into this episode, where Back to the Future does True. not as much. Did you know the original idea for Back to the Future was that Doc Brown was at Area 51? Huh. Did not. Mm-hmm. Well, Groom Lake. I'm, I don't mind visiting Area 51 every once in a while. Um, right. In my fiction. Uh, it can get overused. And every once in a while, there's just an overabundance of it. We just don't need. Independence Day. <laughs> but uh, here, it's it's a side note. It's Area 51 is a shield place. I mean, Area 51 is actually a place where they do test things. And mm-hmm. it is a secret base. Like, it, there's, there are guards there. You know, when they were talking mm-hmm. about storming Area 51, um, that would not have been good to do. <laughs> well, oh, and speaking of, of timely episodes, I mean, this is just weeks after the U.S. government finally did recognize that, yes, we do have proof for, of aliens visiting Earth. We're just not getting into specifics, but hey, it's out there now. I have not heard anything about that. So. Oh, you have not? No, no. Yeah, they did not get into specifics, but they're like, yes, we do have records of aliens visiting Earth. I used to read a lot of books about UFOs and stuff. And recently I've come across some books that were um, written back then about this Mm -hmm. stuff. And it's fascinating um, to see like what was being said then about things. And yeah, it is, it is very interesting in the whole, wherever you land on your UFO stance. um, It's, it is an interesting just cultural phenomena, I guess, in, in some ways. And yeah. And they thematically, they, they leapt on it very well here with the communism threat and the, and the alien watch the skies things. So yeah. All right. Anything else you guys? Yes. Uh, Agents of shield does a better job jumping from the 1930s to the 1950s than the Indiana Jones saga. So so what 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 are you talking about? There's only two Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> <laughs> Crystal Crystal Skull should have been the best one for me. It's like all the stuff that Crystal Skull had, it should have just been like perfect for me. Just didn't land perfectly. I was for listening me. to a podcast today and they were talking about Crystal Skull and I think I'm going to go back and rewatch it. And I think my biggest problem is going to be Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, you take him out and it's a completely different thing. Mm -hmm. And Oh, they could have worked on the writing because I did rewatch it recently and I was like, Steven Spielberg, I still want my $12 back. And and then there also is that ending, which... Yeah, the ending and some of the lines just did not feel right. Did I hear a rumor that... Chris Pratt was going to be indie. You did hear that rumor, but I don't know um, what how, that is happening. Well, I know it's not happening right now. Oh. I don't well, know how yeah, close it got happening. to happening, but it's not. Um, but there will be potentially Harrison Ford is ready to do a fifth one that Spielberg would not direct, but would be a producer on it and, and be involved with it. So, Hey, we need to say goodbye. We need to shut this thing down. So final words. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we hope to hear from you soon. 
And thank you to our Patreon patrons. And I would say I've already given you some questions that we would love to hear back from you about. What do you, where do you hope they go in the future as they're visiting the past of the season? And also, what are some of your favorite moments from the past? But I do have a third question for you listeners. This is a really, really important question. And so, you know, email feedback at welcome to level seven dot com or go to our website and, and leave your answer on the, the blog or Facebook, you know, that you know, send us a, a direct message on Facebook. Let us know what is your answer to this question. It's possibly the most important question I'm ever going to ask you in the history of this podcast. And that is this. How does it make you feel when I say the word moist? Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. And once again, thanks for listening. I knew you were going to say that. I just I had a feeling. I had such a strong feeling. I had a Daniel Butcher. I know you were going to say that line feeling. Would you say you're, you were maybe a predictor of this moment? Yes. And yes. <laughs> it was easy to remember. Easy to set up. I think probably one of the best uh, setups anyway of recent past. So I could not. I could not pass that one up. All right. That's it. That's our episode. Go home. Why are you still here? Bueller? Yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Later, guys. <laughs>